0: Nice to be with you all. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, spend some time here and opportunity to speak with you. I was asked to speak, uh, our host. Mitra asked me to speak on, on uh something with regard to the natural uh environment from a spiritual perspective. He had actually thought perhaps a chapter from the Bhagavad Purana entitled the uh what was it uh, Description. Description of Autumn would be uh, a starting place. It's a beautiful chapter, of course. Um and in, in 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 general, it it does something that the the sacred texts do um, repeatedly and purposefully, and that is, it reflects on the natural environment in the season of autumn, which we are in, of course, now. Um, this is in India, and in in, in Vrindavan, the place of Krishna's uh, leelas, pastimes. It reflects on that uh, natural I- environment in a, sp- in a particular way, hmm? such that the reflection on the natural world will um, shed light on the supernatural. Hmm? And so you'll find this is how the n- the natural world is looked at, uh, spoken about in the sacred text, uh, examined. Uh, discussed, there are other examples um, um, throughout the text, uh, but as a whole, at large, this is the the way in which the world is looked at, which is different, for example, than the way the modern uh, scientific community looks at the world, and it's, it's different from the way we, in our everyday life, look at the world also. And so, um, I'll try to speak a little bit about about that uh, that kind of a vision and, and how it's so uh, different from uh, today's world and the typical way in which the uh, we knowingly or unknowingly um, look at the natural world, which is a topic obviously that of concern for people. The way we've been looking at it seems to have um, arguably um, caused some problems or potential problems that that loom and so forth um, basically i 'm talking about the uh, environmental crisis, as you may know, um, surely uh, the whole school of uh, environmental philosophy was uh, given some shape in uh, 1967 when Lynn White wrote his uh, famous article that appeared in Scientific America, peer-reviewed article in which um, he framed the environmental uh, crisis as a spiritual crisis. Hmm. And um, he in doing so he he um, all All the religious traditions have some fault hmm? they have some some lacking either they in the way of in which they are misrepresented, let's say, or uh, in the least in the way in which they they fail to adequately put into words and thought that which transcends words and thought that is the subject of um such religious traditions. So um, with regard to the environmental crisis, uh, I don't want to appear sectarian, but every religion has its fault. <laughs> Lynn White uh, put the blame on Christianity. Hmm? I know we're in a Christian nation and a stronghold of, of that um, as well here in the South. But um, the fact is that, um, that um, a few hundred years ago, the uh, the Christian Church, as it was understood at the time, whether it was underst- well well understood in terms of the teachings of the, the Christ is, is another thing. Um, the founders of all religions are uh, probably best um, misrepresented or more misrepresented than than not. So the uh, the Church, as it was at the time. Um, um, Looked at the teachings in a particular way, and um, in, in doing so, looked at the, the teachings or the lack of teachings, the lack of um, order and and system as it appeared to um, uh, found in other traditions of the time. I'm basically speaking about paganism throughout uh, Europe, as it would be um, f- uh, labeled by Christianity. Uh, full as it was with superstitions and um, fairies and uh, shamans and uh, witches and and so on and so forth, um, again, much of which was very superstitious. And so uh, Christianity, I suppose, at the time, with, with good intent, wanted to uh, do away with uh, superstition. Hmm? And uh, they wanted to put in the center the the, the true... The true God and what was actually spiritual and so forth, because there were many things from their point of view that were going on in the name of spirituality that, that weren't so, that weren't, that were a sham, that weren't uh, what they were made out to be, and certainly weren't divine. That's the idea. And so there was kind of a ghost busting, if you will, <laughs> on the part of uh, of Christianity that, uh, that got a little bit out of control, if you will, and uh, it sought to take the spirit really it ended up taking the spirit out of nature which was seen to be full of spirit and in a way that in many respects was superstitious and was problematic for people. <clears throat> um, people perhaps lived more harmoniously with nature but it was somewhat at the cost of their eternal soul as well um, as seen by by Christianity at the time so they embarked upon this um, what was thought to be well thought out campaign of as I say doing away with uh, the, the spirit of nature and they gave man a monopoly on the spirit soul in fact to the extent that it was thought for quite some time that women didn't have souls either and of course neither did nature in the form of the uh, the animal kingdom the bird king, in the aquatic, or so to speak, of the plants and so forth. So, as you see what I'm saying, they took, in, 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 from the perspective of our tradition, of course, they took out the spirits, but they took out the spirit soul um, as well out of nature, which, of course, Indian philosophy is more pan-psychic um, in its view. Uh, it means to say they see consciousness uh, throughout the, the world, Indeed, the very force, the driving force, the animating force uh, behind the movements of nature. So Christianity at the time did something quite uh, 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 different, taking, as I say, the spirit out of nature altogether, locating it in man, hmm? and here you have the most anthropocentric uh, religion as it was thought of at the time in the world. So human and male even um centered, hmm? that man was thought to have a license to do whatever uh he wanted to the natural world for his own purposes, seeing himself as the privileged um child of of God who was meant to um uh, who 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 whose father would be pleased if he was pleased uh so to speak. So you have the beginnings here kind of philosophically mm-hmm. of a divorcing uh, of of man from nature in what we would see as kind of an in an artificial way. There is a difference between man and nature in as much as man or humanity is an opportunity to uh, to explore and uh, experience the the fullness of the uh, nature of consciousness the subjective side of life natural world being the objective side if you will and all the all the, the wonders that could be possibly be found there that can't be found in the physical or the objective world human op- life gives us that opportunity so there is a, a distancing if you will from the, um Spiritual perspective of Hinduism and Vedanta um, between humanity and nature, but what i 'm speaking about is an artificial distancing of humanity from nature that put man at almost at odds um, with with nature mm. and fighting to control nature mm. that it might live more freely more comfortably beyond the um, um, beyond animality, we do seek to rise above animality and the animality within ourselves. To be fully human, from our perspective, is 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 to is to um, acquaint ourselves with our with our divinity. So we do want to separate ourselves from animality, but this is a categorical kind of a um, uh, change that we're looking at. In other words. Rather than perceiving ourselves as a, a cons- construct of the natural world, uh, the objective world, perceiving ourselves as as consciousness that's not constructed, that has no beginning, that has no end. Um, so, if we, in other words, try to distance ourselves from nature by without moving from the objective world to the subjective world hmm, in full we end up really becoming a bigger, uh, an intelligent beast, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Christianity was, was moving in that direction, unfortunately, and, 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 and with good intentions, of course, but it, in, 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 in that context it gave a license to the handmaiden of science in the form of technology to rape and pillage, <laughs> if you will, and uh, the roots of uh You know, deforestation are found in uprooting uh, idolatry of the pagan um, world at the time, and as I say, taking the spirit out of nature, so nature was was of no consequence; it was to be used, manipulated as man uh, saw fit for man's uh, purpose. And this is the genesis of the environmental crisis we find ourselves in. And it's not hard to to realize that. Because you can look at, at, of course, there are many beautiful expressions of Christianity, and like other traditions, there are some <laughs> ugly expressions of it as well. And we find um, some of the more ugly expressions of Christianity that, that, that the adherents of which feel they have, um, in the name of the Christ, the right to um, uh, do things that seem un, un- like And it happens in Hinduism. It happens in uh, in all the different uh, traditions. But uh, here in America, for example, you find a group, largely from the far, far Christian right, that is against and doesn't want to admit that there's an environmental crisis. You know, to this day, so to speak. If there weren't signs that were put up about 40 or 50 years ago, "Don't litter," they would still be, you know. Throwing things out the out the window, um, uh, as used to be done. I can remember when the first "Don't litter" signs came up, and there was a five hundred dollar fine for that. Uh, it's hard for some of the you young people to appreciate that, but they used to just ride down and just throw stuff out the window. Uh, you know, whatever you had eaten or you know, the leftovers, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So there's a group of people that still feel that holding on, so to speak, to one extent or another, that think that the environmental crisis is is just um, Um, whatever. I hate to be political and I'm not, but some kind of left conspiracy or something like that. Um, But the fact is there's not a lot left if you keep drawing from a limited uh, pool of resources. Hmm. Um, Then, uh, like for example, oil, you're going to run out of it at a certain point. If your whole economy is fueled by that, then it's going to be, um, it's a recipe for, for a problem in due course. And so um, we are, uh, from the from the perspective of Vedanta, we are in an environmental crisis and it is a uh, spiritual crisis. And so the idea then to solve that problem is to, is to learn how to look at the world in a different way. And we might be surprised if we were to think about it, the extent to which we look at it from the perspective that I'm talking about that's the cause of the problem. Hmm? And Hinduism seeks to correct this at the very um, onset, so to speak. Uh, it doesn't allow us, uh, if we understand it properly, to look at material nature as the object of our uh, enjoyment, wherein we become the center hmm? in an artificial way and, a, and, and at the cost of the health of the environment because in reality um, we're not the center. Mm. That's not too hard to agree with, that we're not the center, but but the, the extent to which we we act differently than, when, what we, than what we can nod our heads to and agree with when I say we're not the center with, is, is the problem that we find ourselves in. But Hinduism kind of militates against this view very strongly um, by uh, teaching us not to look at the world, at all the natural world, as an object of our enjoyment so it's not human centric in a sense Um, the world is not revolving around us for our mentally uh, conceived purposes all of which are are different to one extent or another you see the world is the room is hot I might see it as cold someone might feel it's a good day someone might feel it's a bad day so it's a good or bad or is it happy or sad or hot or cold these are all perceptions gathered by the senses that are relayed to the mind, which makes the decision. I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. And As I say, my happies and sads and your goods and bads are are different from one another, so this is a problem. We can't all be the center. We don't all agree. Hmm? Um, so uh, this this is the basic idea of the material vision that, that human life is as different as it is from a less complex Forms of life, and uh, uh, as much potential as it has, is at the same time trapped um, within this this kind of perspective. Hmm? Uh, we can just we we just think a little bit beyond it, and hopefully, good by good association start to act in a way that we could actually um, correct our vision and transcend it, and so forth. But as i said earlier as much as we are human we are also we're animal we're 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 in this kind of cusp if you will between animality and, and humanity where divinity can be found can be can be experienced if we move in the direction of all that humanity affords us hmm? it affords us the opportunity to well to think about ourselves hmm? that that we think as i've said before if there's anything that we've experienced in the world that is most uh, profound, I would say it's the fact that we experience. That's very extraordinary. We're an experiencing unit of existence which differentiates us from the natural world, if you, if, if you will, from matter, mm-hmm. which is non-experiential, mm-hmm. which does get meaning from us as we lend ourselves to it, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but as we do, as we animate the world, and it starts to move, we become distracted by its movements, we start to identify with its movements, and um, and quite the opposite of moving in the spiritual direction and the freedom that, that a unit of consciousness is about, um, uh, we start to move in the direction of animality, the direction of material nature, and become matter-like if you will. Mm. It's interesting because <laughs> in the name of, uh, of freedom and presiding over material nature um, and being um, that which nature is meant to serve from that erroneous perspective, n- n- the Gita nature is described in a, in a very powerful way by Krishna. Uh, Mama Maya Duradaya, it's my Maya and it's very, it's insurmountable. So, the attempt to rise above nature, which is natural for humans, we kind of are a little bit above nature, huh? gone about in the wrong way, is what I'm saying. Hmm? By remaining human, if you will, by continuing to think what I am is a human, what I am as a man, what I am as a woman, what I am as American, what I am as a Hindu or a Christian, or any of these. I am this or that. I am, but I am not this or I am not that. Hmm? The I am this or that, that is consciousness Hmm? identifying with things Hmm? and the objective world and losing sight of itself as a unit of subjective reality and first-person experience. Hmm? That I am, that's undeniable. Hmm? We have three choices. I am this or that, that is an illusion. That's here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard to figure out. You can say I'm a man, you can say I'm a woman, but how long will you be? And how long are you? How long will you be a woman and how long are you? The woman's body will die, the man's body will die. You know, the question is, will you die? Biologically, we will die. But are we biological? That's, of course, a big question in science. What is the biological makeup of consciousness? our reply is the question is wrong the question should be is there a biological makeup to consciousness that would be unbiased and objective which is the hallmark of of science as it's thought Hmm? we're going to start with the premise that it must be hmm? consciousness must be biological which would mean we die Hmm? do you understand there's no survival of of the biological, once the biological organ breaks down, organism breaks down, then you're finished. Well, those of us seated here, I don't, don't probably don't don't believe that. And there's good. Re- we may not know why we don't believe it. We may just sense it or feel it, but there is good reason to support that uh, that premise.
1: Hmm?
0: Consciousness, as I've often said, is difficult to 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 describe, to define, The very act. Of defining consciousness requires knowing what consciousness is to begin with. So it's very circular, the attempt to define consciousness. You have to use consciousness to define consciousness. Uh, consciousness is subjective, so it's not like anything in the objective world. So we define things by comparing them, there's nothing that it's compared to. Hmm? So we may dismiss it. <laughs> Well, you can't to talk about it, you can't explain it, so we might as well dismiss it. But no, th- that's not reason to dismiss it, that's reason to get more emphasis to it. That is to say, it's nothing like, and we are a unit of consciousness, nothing like anything in the objective world, all of which is, what? Governed by time and space. That's why things are here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? So if we are nothing like anything, we're not a thing. The best things in life are not things, hmm? and things are governed by time and space, and thereby, thereby are here today, and gone tomorrow. Hmm? Then consciousness it's, this starts to become a very interesting subject matter because the implication is there is never a time that it was not, because it's not governed by time. There is never a time that it won't be. Hmm? We don't ask in Vedanta, in our tradition, that, do you believe in a soul? Any more than any person would ask, do you believe in consciousness? I mean, it's, it's not a question. Consciousness is asking the question. It's, not a, it's, not a, it's like silly, right? Hmm? We say, that that, would, that is what is meant by soul. Even the Platonic soul that Christianity borrowed from. Hmm? Not the Aristotelian soul that the Thomists borrowed from, but the Platonic soul. Plato is about as far east and about as far west as, you know, he's right on the cusp there. Greeks, they're right on the cusp of the east and the west. And hmm? they they, they were somewhat informed by the east and thoroughly informed the west. Hmm? That Platonic soul, if you will, that's right out of Vedanta, hmm? just east of Greece, hmm? <laughs> uh, and it's 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 the it's the it's the subject of the Upanishads and the and uh, it's the preoccupation of the of of the of the nation of Bharat as it was was known. Its books were the Upanishads, the Puranas, the Bhagwat, the Gita. All these books are about when it when it when it's when it's all said and done. They're all about this one subject. What is that one subject? The most popular. You know what the most popular word in the English language is? It's this most same. It's the same word that's the most popular word word in every language. I. That's the most popular word. It's what we, <laughs> I. We say it the most. Hmm? We think about it the most. Uh, We love it the most. And we know it the least. Mm. (laughs) What am I? That is a huge problem. Rather not talk about it. But no, it's there to talk about. hmm? This is is the subject of human society. This should be the preoccupation of human society. hmm? Because the question of what am I, why am I, arises only in human society. Hmm? It doesn't arise in the less complex forms of life, but through, a, through an evolution, which we would call a karmic evolution, of consciousness moving through different species of life, we arrive at human life and we're re- <laughs> re- re- burdened, if you will, by a question that will set us free hmm? from animality in such a way it will distance us from animality in the natural world in such a way hmm, that we will we will we will we will uh, have a bond at the same time with the natural world. Hmm? We will see ourselves as different from matter from one perspective, but one with matter from another perspective. We're different from matter because we're consciousness. Hmm? We're different from the natural world because we're supernatural. We're a soul. Soul is supernatural. Hmm? It's not that you have a soul, again, you are a soul, if the soul is consciousness. Hmm? We're different from matter, hmm? that it's unconscious, and that we're conscious. But we're one with matter, and that we are both subordinate hmm? to the Godhead. Hmm? You understand? We are both Shaktis in the language of Vedanta. We're both different potencies of the Godhead. We are prakriti and paraprakriti. Well, nature is prakriti, we are the par hmm? So there's not an a, a, a very um, such a very strong and and um it's a very, I want to say, a very n- natural distinction that we have, that we are const- the, 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 the we as an entity um uh, 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 have between ourselves and nature. It's a subtle profound uh, remarkable difference but uh, we we have, as it's framed in Vedanta and the Gita, a unity with as well. We're both dependent. The natural world is dependent upon the Godhead and so um, are we. Hmm? So the the Cartesian dualism, if you will, of christianity um or of Descartes he was a christian is is was such that there was a t- strong demarcation between spirit and matter and spirit was found only in man hmm? in the Vedanta we don't find this this we we find there's a distinction between matter and consciousness hmm? there's this distinction between humanity and the rest of the natural world but the distinction is such that that our particular embodiment affords us the opportunity hmm, to know about ourselves as a unit of consciousness hmm, and that means to know that what we are by nature is a lover hmm, a unit of giving capacity hmm, and 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 that and because well we're this life if you will which is self soul is not biological hmm? is what animates the whole world so again we have this pan psychic kind of world where we consciousness is everywhere animating the natural world so so by contrast from the Christian view at that time animals have the souls trees have the, they don't have souls <laughs> they are living entities. That tran that that transcend the biological um, reality. Hmm? So it's very interesting. Uh, you have you you have a a very uh, soft kind of way in which humanity is distinguished from the natural world that makes humanity soft. Is what I'm saying, not in a harsh way. Hmm? That. I, humanity is the center and nature is there for our purpose to be used as, as, as we like and we end up raping and pillaging the natural world for mentally conceived ideas of what we are when yours is different from mine and mine is different from yours and this is a recipe for the kind of problems we, we, we find ourselves experiencing. Hmm? Hmm. But we're distinguished from the natural world in such a way that we, by thinking about it, by contemplating it, by pursuing it, we actually become very soft-hearted. Hmm? If there's anything that would resemble what we're talking about in Christianity, something that Lynn White, who I mentioned earlier when we began, um, thought of himself. He thought we should try to invoke a a Franciscan type of Christianity, perhaps. Hmm? This would be, you know, St. Francis speaking to the birds and the bees and and so on, communing with nature and, and so forth. Uh, so this is this is what I was getting to the heart of what Christianity is about. There, if you go to the heart of all these religious traditions, then you find some commonality, some common ground. Hmm? And the closer you go, the more eastern it sounds. Uh, actually, that's a fact. Uh, India is thought to be the mother of, of religion in, in, in the world. Hmm? So, So the difference between matter and consciousness, as understood from Vedanta, is different than the way Descartes thought about it, because it doesn't foster a looking at nature in a way as if nature's only purpose is to fulfill the mentally-conceived purpose of of, of humanity. Hmm? Rather, it was understood from the beginning that, that yes, yes, it's true, it's good. Christianity did away with a lot of superstition. We we're also interested in that, hmm? but that the, the consciousness is animating the world. That's not a superstition. Hmm? There are many there are many things that 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 science. We've made a wedding with uh, with Christianity. The church kind of like like uh, knighted you know science and technology knighted or saint sainthooded you know. <laughs> This is the vehicle by which, you know, the, 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 the divine will be proved, it was thought. It worked out a little, little differently. Um, it, it, when I was saying this earlier, it worked out differently. They, went agi- they, they got an inkling, hmm? there's a difference between consciousness and matter, there's a soul, something like that, kind of a Rajasic idea from our perspective of as it was thought. It, 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 but then, the way it was conceived, you see, it's very problematic. Hmm. They went after nature, hmm. seeing it as something to exploit. And as I said, Mama Maya as Krishna says in the Gita, what happened is nature went after them. <laughs> you come after me, all right? I will come after you. And she's so uh, powerful; she cannot be intimidated. Hmm? Man has not got the upper hand over nature. Hmm? Now, what has happened when you when you licensed licensed by the church, hmm, for example, science and technology? To, uh, to, uh, you know, it's it's really to to let's say to, to pillage the world to to uh, to uh, uh, take the spirits and superstition out of uh, out of nature um, in the way in which it's been done by science. What's happened? Science and technology has 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 reasoned uh, that they don't need to. Think about the soul itself or consciousness as being supernatural anymore. It's, na- it's it's thought of as being part of the natural world. Wonder of it is it, it disappears. Material nature has you started out <laughs> as uh, as as distinct from the natural world, and licensed science and technology to help us pursue that and realize that, and ended up with science and technology being the greatest nemesis to. Uh, to Christianity today in, in the world, hmm? uh, interestingly, of course, there's there's a greater correspondence between the Vedanta idea of consciousness and what science is at least. There's a formidable argument from Vedanta hmm, to, to to support the idea hmm, that consciousness is supernatural, in contrast to the materialistic view that's that 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 we find largely the world uh, moving towards uh, today. So, so I want to say there's uh, that, that moving in the direction of of the Vedanta idea hmm, is really the way to. Uh, it gives us a way to look at the natural world hmm, such that it will number one promote experience the full experience of what we are. As a living entity, as a unit of consciousness, and what our prospects are, hmm? and at the same time, uh, it will uh, uh, not uh, only not cause a disturbance to the natural world, but if you look, for example, in the texts like the Bhagavatam, we find descriptions of of the natural world co- cooperating with the human, uh, with, with human life in in, ex- in an extraordinary measure, raining only at night. Hmm? meal the, the fields muddy with milk bountiful uh, in in its its produce and and so forth uh, um, the idea is very simple in that uh, material well-being follows spiritual well-being tender to the nature of the self hmm. consciousness and in the natural world will cooperate with us hmm? Hmm. if and that is a way to rise above the, the constraints of material nature. Hmm? When we try to rise above the constraints of material nature without understanding that we're, we're consciousness rather than matter, hmm? then we see the world for our human enjoyment, the natural world, hmm? then we find ourselves uh, in, in, in the kind of predicament that we, that we are uh, today. And and so it, 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 the religious idea starts to lose credibility hmm? altogether. The natural world is our own environment is suffering, so we don't have material well-being in the real sense of the term, neither do we have uh, spiritual well-being. So what we, the Vedanta, offers, especially Gaudiya Vedanta, in a very beautiful way, hmm? is, and we look at it and we see. Let me let me give you some examples how in our tradition, in the pursuit of consciousness, understanding consciousness, we are we simultaneously loving, if you will, the natural world. All of you are probably nature lovers to some extent or, or, or another, and I, identify with uh, environmental sensibilities and so forth. This is very core to our tradition. It's not core to the tradition that, uh, that brought about the environmental crisis. Let's go. We go to the extreme. If we go to Raganuga Bhakti, for example, this is the high end of of, of Gaudi Vedanta. Hmm? We we're talking about you know we, we are we follow this path Raganuga Bhakti. What does it have to do with the natural world? No. Is it we, we, It's so far beyond in one sense the natural world. No, that's a misunderstanding. It's so much it, the human life, the natural world, is that which facilitates the Leela of Krishna. Hmm? most fully. And, for example, if you take the basic um, kind, of, kind of limbs of, of, of Rāganu Bhakti, Svabishta-mayi, um, to be filled with the, the, the feelings of a particular um, uh, uh, spiritual identity in relation to Krishna, bhava sambandhi to do things that are in relation to that like hearing and chanting that promote it hmm? having a relationship with krishna bhava sambandhi bhavanu Nukul, then things that are favorable to that that bhava which is our ideal that spiritual sentiment hmm? things that are favorable like uh, well uh might be maybe um hmm? uh, I want to say um, honoring holy days and uh, these kind of things. Uh, uh then there are things Ba rude Ba rude they're not unfavorable, and then they're rude Things that we should we should avoid. Hmm? Amongst the things that are that are not unfavorable and should be embraced are Worshiping the sacred trees like the banyan, like the fig. That's why I planted so many figs trees at Audaria. And at Matavan in Central America we are planting so many banyan trees or big big fig trees, different types of fig trees. You know, these are like biggest, you know, the room type fig trees. Mm-hmm. Those kind everywhere. So sacred tree, there's a sense of sacred trees, the tosi which we, we venerate and so forth, is um, another example bababi Babiruda Baba includes uh, taking care of cows, scratching their necks, giving them soft uh, fresh grasses, and so forth this is these are <laughs> these are so the implication is 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 to be to love have a, a, a communion with nature, appreciation with nature in these basic ways both the, the, the plant world, the animal world, and so these are this is very central to such a high ideal and its very world kind of natural world in its pristine kind of condition, oriented and embracing. Hmm? So this is very, very, very different um, from that which the spiritual kind of outlook, as it was thought, that, that brought about the, uh, that the that is the genesis of the present uh, environmental crisis. It's just a wrong way of looking at the world in the name of spirituality that, that, that then ends up your own spirituality starts to come into doubt. Hmm? that's what happened to, that has happened to that brand, if you will, of, of Christianity, losing memberships to modern science and atheism and uh, physicalism, materialism, naturalism and so on and so forth to the very and to the science and technology that it really kind of gave a license to hmm? to do one thing, it ended up doing just the opposite. Hmm? So, so the Vedanta—it's very beautiful. Gaudiya Vedanta—it includes things that are very central to, uh, to, for example, Christianity—that you you would want to do away with: the personality of Godhead, hmm? loving relationship with God, hmm? the individuality of of, of the self. Hmm? These things are are maintained, of course. Hmm?
1: Yeah.
0: And then. Uh, then, and then, by contrast, an embrace of the natural world that's, that that teaches a way in which we can interact with the natural world such that it will foster an understanding of our of our supernatural prospect hmm? so the whole interaction with the natural world becomes part of the spiritual practice hmm? you understand it 's part of the sadhana hmm? it 's an angle of vision hmm? um, and we find ourselves, I said it's kind of a soft differentiation between ourselves and nature rather than a harsh one. that hmm? makes us the lords of nature that, uh, that, that that nature has no soul, no thoughts, so it doesn't matter what we do with her, do to her. Hmm? And that's what they did to women too, it doesn't matter what they, they don't have a soul. They, they can't think politics, they just cook. Uh, this is how, you know, we used to be like like that. It's very harsh, hmm? Well go but not the very, very soft. Hmm? While we distinguish ourselves from nature as consciousness rather than matter, while we distinguish ourselves from the less complex forms of life as humans rather than animals and and, and plants and have a different role, a very different role, a role of asking the question, Why am I? and pursuing it, as I say. Hmm? At the very same time, in the context of pursuing that we, f- we end up feeling ourselves. What did Mahaprabhu say? Hmm? That he was a student of nature. He became a student of nature. Nature was, na- nature was his guru. Trinadapi sunicena, pi sahishnuna. We spoke about this uh, maybe last night. Hmm? This is one of the verses of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's eight stanzas, known as the Shikshastakam. And as we heard, he didn't sit and write them according to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. He just spoke them out in ecstasy. Hmm? And this is one of them Trinada Pisuni Chena, Toroda It means that the grass spoke to him. Hmm? The natural environment spoke to him. He was. It said, Why aren't. The blades of grass said, Why aren't you humble like us? Can't you see? People step on us, we just bend. We don't resist, we don't fight, but we just bend. Hmm? Why, the, the trees spoke to him about why are, why are you intolerant? Why aren't you tolerant like us? We stand here, whether it's hot or cold. Hmm? When it's hot, we give some warmth to people. When it's cold, we give some, sh- what when 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 is it? When it's, when it's hot, we give some shade. Mm, make people cool. When it's cold, we give people some warmth. Get inside the tree, mm, close to the tree. Mm. If people cut us down, we provide shade for them. Mm, they can do. We don't. We 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 are examples of tolerance, and that tolerance was towering in the estimation of the Chakshastikam. Tolerance turned into into compassion. Mm. You see, there's two standards of tolerance in 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 Vedanta. One is found in the Gita. Tom's Tom's you can t- The things that you see, good, bad, happy, sad, you should tolerate that because it's only an illusion. It's only perception. You think it's hot, I think it's cold. Which is it? Hmm? So don't get caught up in that. Don't get worked up over that. Hmm? What you think is hot, that's your reality. Someone else else's is cold and they have reason to because they have a different set of senses, a different mind. So it's neither of those is the point, the obvious point. So don't get so caught up in that. Don't get so worked up. You're going to go to war hmm? over differences of perception. Hmm? Right? So it says, Gita says you should tolerate that. The Bhagavatam is the sequel to the Gita. Hmm? It picks up where the Gita leaves off. The Gita is the world of spiritual intelligence, where, you do, where your intelligence is fortified by the Gita's instructions such that you're just ready to pursue the path of bhakti. In, sarva mekam sharanam braja. This is the starting point of bhakti. This is shraddha. Krishna says, have faith in me. Give up religion. Forget that. Just uh, be spiritual. Experience me in the here and now. Take shelter of me. Hmm? I shall not have any other god before me. <laughs> Something like that. He says, sarva mekam sharanam braja. This is the beginning point. The Bhagavatam picks up. Right where it leaves off, it says, Dharma Projita Kaitavotra Paramoni Matsaranam Satam. This is right where the Gita ends. It says the same thing right at the beginning. And this, in Prabhupada's language, is the civilization of the soul now. From a spiritual intelligence, hmm, a fortified spiritual intelligence, we can conduct ourselves in such a way that constitutes bhakti. Bhakti requires some application of intelligence to understand what is bhakti and what is not bhakti. What is devotion? What is, what is love? What is not love? Hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of good, good books to help us in this regard. We just heard uh, Sipad Karnamrita made a nice post somewhere that it said Prabhupada was saying, and you have to read summary to Sindhu, and you have to read uh, all the books of the previous Acharyas, and so forth. Uh, it's written in his own book, you, know, you have to read these other books, and you have to analyze that way you can understand them better, and, and what you're doing, and make progress, and so forth. So, so to, you can't get off the hook here. You can't let the, you know just be busy. You have to use your intelligence, too. Everybody doesn't have the same measure, but you have to use the full measure, whatever intelligence you have to apply yourself. Hmm? Texts, are the theory, the theory is there for that, to help us. Hmm? We try to understand it, and as we do and we act accordingly, which is evidence of our understanding, we enter into the world, the civilization, the society of the soul and all the possibilities of consciousness. The Gita wants to talk about there's a difference between matter and consciousness. What is consciousness? It's not this, it's not that, it's not this, it's not that. It's not fat, it's not thin, it's not tall, it's not short. Hmm? It can't be burned, it can't be drowned, it can't be withered by the wind. Hmm? It's not this, it's not that. Like I said, what can you say about it?
1: Hmm?
0: It's not like anything of this world. It's super extraordinary. Because the things of this world are only as extraordinary as consciousness lends itself to them and animates them and gives them meaning and an apparent life. You understand? It is experienced. What is the nature of the experiencer? I mean, this should just animate you, (laughs) this idea. It's very exciting. And this is just the beginning. You enter the Bhagavatam. You just... You, you've, 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 you, 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 the gear that you're touching, your, your, your foot t- sticking your foot, your toe in the, in the water, of what is consciousness. Hmm? The Bhagavad Gita mm-hmm. says, "You want to know, you are consciousness. You have to become consciousness, and that means you have to leave behind all these mental constructs, hmm? all these ideas about yourself that are all tied to the objective world that are all amounts to measuring." The difference between yourself and others and things. And, and Maya means to measure. That is the meaning. And Maya means illusion. Hmm? How can the ruler measure itself? We are the value giver, you understand? Consciousness is measuring, evaluating. Hmm? How can it measure itself? You have, to, you have to to understand consciousness and all the prospect, all the all the possibilities that lie there. And what are all the possibilities? All the possibilities are such that, in that land, in that dimension, in that domain, in that realm, hmm, as Prophet would say, there they have a dictionary, but impossible is not found. Isn't that one of the words there? Hmm? In love, all things are possible. In love. The, the faults of another whom you love become ornaments, isn't it? Love has the power to turn faults into ornaments. Mm-hmm. All things can be resolved in love. Consciousness is a unit of loving capacity. That's what we mean by doing something voluntarily. Do you understand me? We're rising up out of the natural world where everyone is struggling to exist. And jivo jiva jivanam. One living being is food for another. Darwin said it. S- the survival of the fittest. Hmm? Human life, we're just rising above that. are just kind of out on parole, so to speak. A chance, like with a leash, to walk in the world. Hmm? <laughs> now, how you how you will conduct yourself, whether that leash gets longer and it gets cut off and you're free. Hmm? And free means free from the rules. Which are the constraints are there only for those hmm, who without them would do, would do otherwise, hmm, would co- cause harm. Hmm? And look at Krishna. Does he have any rules? <laughs> this is the idea. There are no rules, but they have love. Hmm? So the Bhagavatam, the end of the world of the Bhagavatam, means the, the civilization of the self. This is, means the prospect, not only that you're different from matter, but that, then what? Okay. And you have to to do that. You have to become conscious. I mean, you are conscious, but you have to become in the sense you have to like, by stop trying to become something that you're not, which is so constrained and limited. You're trying to stretch it and make it more. Hmm? This is when we have an anthropocentric worldview, a human-centric worldview. The world is meant to serve us. God is serving us. We pray to God to give us things. Hmm? Make the natural world work for us like it should, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to make the human experience uh, bigger, as big as the soul is, if you will, as big as the self is. But it's a, it's, a, it's 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 a, it's impossible. Hmm? The human frame, if you will, is, is just that. It's mortal. Hmm? And consciousness is immortal. Hmm? So to go from Amritam Gamayo from mortality to immortality. And then Amritam, what is the nectar of immortality? What is, the, what, is the consciousness, what is the consciousness of consciousness? That we should think? This is what this is the this is what Bhagavatam is about. This is what Chaitanya Jaritamrita is about. Hmm? Such a Prospects we have there. We cannot imagine. If we could try to think what the difference between water and ice is, we could get some idea, perhaps. What can you do with ice? You can cool water. What can you do with water? I mean, <laughs> you can make ele- fire. You can make electricity. You can light up the world, hmm? for example. That's weird. <laughs> water, you can make fire. Hmm? Uh, and you can bathe and drink and live in uh, aguas vida and so forth. So the consciousness, hmm, aptrified, frozen over, identified with the mortal frame, still, but but feeling itself in human life, feeling itself. So trying to make the mortal frame bigger, hmm, extend it. What the human experience is and so forth. Hmm. And, and ask God, will you please bless us for this? Make it bigger. Make, He's thinking, you want things, you're not things, you want things, that's, you want me to give you things. Huh. And it's like, okay, <laughs> maybe, to some extent, but, hmm. and then some people don't want things, they're smart, they think, they want to get away from things. It's okay, you want to get away from things, you can do that too, hmm? take mukti, that's boring too. Hmm? You are, I am, okay, you know. I am that. That's a big problem. I am. That's better, but is that all? I am. What about I am a gopi? That's another thing. Hmm, you understand? I am that. I am this. I am that of this world. No, you're not. You are. I am. Yes, I am. Hmm. That I know. You know, Bertrand Russell, the famous. Yeah, you know, all, the, all the atheists are just regurgitating the arguments of Bertrand Russell, really. He's. Yeah at least in the West, uh, he, he wrote a book in maybe the late 1920s, The Examination of the Nature of Matter. What is matter? So he's a philosopher, so he's looking at it philosophically, and he said his conclusion was all we really know about the world, matter, as he was thinking of, is, is, uh, is our own consciousness. Hmm. All we really know is that we exist and we can't prove it. that's pretty far you know, it is just a subjective you know i might believe you but i mean <laughs> but you can't prove it objectively hmm? that's that i again hmm? most popular word the most loved and the least known and the task is to know to know yourself hmm? and then you know yourself to be different from from matter it doesn't put you at war with matter it ends the war you understand It ends the war with the material. You're no longer at odds with material nature. We're only struggling with the material nature because we want to get, we want to rein in material nature and have it serve us. That's not its purpose.
1: Hmm?
0: And what is us then? This mentally conceived idea of goods and bads, happies and sads, the mys that define my I. I Who wants to to cooperate with that? You understand? We have a sense of what we are. We want everybody, and, and, and what the world is, and we want everybody to, to live in that world of our mind, which isn't even comfortable for us. And you want everybody else to live there comfortably. This is a very unreasonable proposal. No wonder it is, you know, there is some, fr- some friction. Hmm? So, no, the Vedanta idea is to end the war with material nature. Hmm? To understand material nature by loving material nature. As one of the shaktis of Bhagwan, hmm? and 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 rather than ruling over nature, Mahaprabhu said, "I'm I'm I'm more humble. I should be more humble than a blade of grass. That's what nature says to me. Hmm? Sees nature as his guru. Hmm? Nature. See, if you understand this properly, in due course, the whole world will start to talk to you. That's how I began. The Bhagavatam's chapter on the nature of what is it, uh, the, the description of autumn." Autumn is speaking in the Bhagavatam hmm, to us about you're, you're you're different from matters. It's it's cool. Yeah, you're different. You're, you're, and how to go there? And how to how, all of nature's movements, the clouds, the rain, the beautiful description of autumn. You read it. How not to do something hmm, that won't be in your interest, your spiritual interest, and how nature is showing. And be like me, like this, and do this such and such thing that will bring in the direction of your spirituality. And when you arrive there, are you this big king? Hmm? Now I've conquered nature. Hmm? Everyone wants to conquer nature. Hmm? We want to rise above the constraints of nature.
1: Hmm?
0: We feel we are more than nature. Hmm? But we are talking about going about it in a way that's practical, and the conquering or the, the, the of nature makes us feel like hmm, like like we're subordinate to nature, like nature's our teacher. Hmm? We can learn from everyone, from everything, from all the movements of the natural world. There's no question of raping and pillaging the natural world for mentally conceived sense of self, which has now disappeared. I've transcended the world of my happiness distress. I've tolerated, as the Gita says, then I moved into the Bhagavatam, the real life of the soul. I applied the intelligence of the Gita in my life. I did it. Hmm? I didn't just think about it. We shouldn't just think about spiritual life. Hmm? We should have, get a spiritual life. Hmm? The gita tried to speak in such a way that you will just get off the fence. Hmm? It pulls you up on the fence, puts questions, doubts, look at it and then <gasps> tries to push you over into the pasture and eat. Hmm? The grass is greener on that side. Hmm? And if you go there. Hmm? If you go into that world, the world of the self, hmm, uh, then, uh, then then the Bhagavatam standard of tolerance comes. Hmm? Oh, that's a very nice idea there. What has he said? That Sridharmash paraphrased it poetically this wonderful verse of the Bhagavatam, one of Brahma's verses. Tate nukampam Susamikshamana Bhunjana Yvatmakritam Vipakam Ridvagvapubidnam Riddham Namaste Jivetu sadaya Sadayabak. He gave a translation. The environment is friendly. The verse speaks of tolerance, but he he gave it like this, a different kind. The, the environment is my, it. it's the the everything that's happening, I'm seeing it. My, it's for my benefit, hmm? all problems are done away. Everything becomes an opportunity of service only. Hmm? The world, the natural world, even the inanimate world, as it's thought, becomes also my teacher, my guru, guiding me. Hmm? Hmm? People wrong me, and I, 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 I. People who say mean things about me. I, I thought about. It. There's some people like that. I know some people like that. We all do, I guess. I wanted to, when I proposed to one of my students, get me his picture, I want to put it on my desk. That guy, is, he said these things about, get me his picture, I want to put it on my desk. Hmm? I want to offer incense to them. Huh? He has shown me how not to be in all no uncertain terms. <laughs> I, I, that's worshipable. I, mm-hmm. This kind of feeling. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Huh? This is the sadhu, he had no enemies. Ajata, shataro, shanto, sadalo, sadhu, and this is the ornaments of a sad, one of them. Has no enemies. There's no fighting with material nature. It's over. Hmm? You decide to love material nature instead. And what it do? It's loving back. Hmm? As I've often said, if you love someone, what? Who knows? Tell They'll tell you all their secrets. It's a fact. Hmm? You want to understand the secrets of nature? This is modern science galvanized as it was a few centuries back by a particular pers- Christian perspective. It became, it's become problematic, as we're saying. They want to understand nature, natural world. They want to examine it, but they've got a purpose in mind. Hmm? And it's not cooperating entirely. It's elusive. You can't get a grip on it. Hmm? Heisenberg said, you, you, you can't only... we can't." We, we don't examine the world; we only examine our examination of the world. We never get close to it. Hmm? <coughs> Noam Chomsky, a big intellectual, you're probably familiar with. Uh, you know, he he said in the talk uh, uh, that that there was a famous book by what was his name who wrote The Ghost in the Machine. Hmm? He thought he did away with the ghost. Hmm? Ghost in the machine means that there's a soul in the body. The body's a machine, there's a soul. He, he was a, a ghostbuster too from a scientific point of view. He wanted to do away with, is the, with the Christian soul. Holy, there's no soul, there's, no, there's nobody there. Hmm. He wanted to show by science. Hmm. Chomsky recently said, you know, it's, it's a little, it, it really what's happened is, is, that, is, is the, the machine has been exorcised, exorcised, not the ghost. Mm -hmm. what is the machine the mechanistic world it's like this and we can it's got these building blocks we can define it's totally elusive the more you try to what I'm saying the more you try to understand the natural world with a mean spirit in mind to use the natural world for your small minded purposes hmm? the more it will be elusive the more it will be counterproductive the more it will give you a hard time hmm? the more you the unit of consciousness will become like matter, and your possibilities will become so restricted, so limited. You will become depressed. You will think there is no meaning, no value to life, no purpose. Hmm. And conversely, hmm, if you love the natural world, in hmm, the way we're talking about. Hmm, and you, you you see the natural world as something that can teach you about yourself, help with help with being schooled by a good teacher in the Bhagavad and so forth in the Gita. Hmm? Then the secrets of the natural world will be known to you. What is the biggest secret of the natural world? I mean, there's all kinds of secrets, but what is the you know the real the the, the biggest secret of the natural world is that it has a soul, and it's you. The natural world means. The interaction between consciousness and matter as I'm talking about it. Hmm? You will become uncovered. Hmm? What a treasure you will find. Looking at the natural world, you will find yourself hmm? different from the natural world and paying respect to it for how it has helped you, hmm? how it has taught you. How, it, it, it's, a, it's a veritable, I mean, the Bhagavatam is not a book of 18,000 verses It's the whole world. The whole world is. You read it. Ayu harati divai The sun is saying, "What is it saying when it rises across the sky?" It's a nice verse I like to quote from Bhagavatam. Hmm. So to see, you you will find yourself. And so, who cares about every other detail? Whether the protons, quote, you know, neutrons, quarks, or whatever, you know, and this and and. and uh, hmm. it, it, Go inside, there'll be a smaller one. 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 A smaller one. Hmm? And you keep thinking you're bigger and bigger because I'm finding smaller and smaller things. <laughs> <laughs> Just see. <laughs> ah, no, endless immutable. Maya hmm? dratayat. Cannot be understood. But Krishna says, Mamamaya papadhyante mayamayam tarantite. That which is Vishnu Maya. Hmm? that is insurmountable you can never understand hmm? but by taking shelter of me oh then easily you can understand you can, means you can, you can, you can understand yourself when you've risen above material nature hmm? you've transcended hmm? what is Vishnu Maya hmm? when Parikshit Maharaj the emperor asked the sage Sukadeva in the Bhagavatam tell me about the natural world because it's one of the energies of Bhagwan and I, I want to love him, so tell me what, about it, that I might understand it as one of his energies and love him that much more. And Sukadev said, I'll tell you about the natural world as far as people can talk about it. says, as far as the Puranic historians have, have, you know, what they think about it at the present, I'll tell you what they said. But let me tell you something else. What it really is is a transformation of the modes of nature. It's like three, three you know, three what do they call those things, three, three shells and where's the pea, you know, it's like, oh, he's moving, like, that. it's like, it's magic, hm? It's Vishnu magic, hmm? <laughs> That's what you, to understand that, what is Vishnu Maya? I was with Prabhupada and I'll try to bring this to a close with a nice story. We were up in the eleventh story of his, of the temple in Manhattan, which for him was a great victory because he came to New York, you know, originally. From India, penniless, and he lived in the Bowery. He was a homeless person. Hmm? He had no place to live, but he lived inside the Bhagavatam, hmm? the world of the Bhagavatam and he came to, wanted to share that world. That's the world. That's the house that's so big that everybody can live in it. That was that was living in his heart. Brindaban hmm? hmm? is not a geographical area. That's a Nam opera, Dam operad to think is. They say that Dam is this many miles in this or circumference and this much in diameter. That's all just a way of talking for Leela. Therefore, Radharani said in Mahaprabhu, in the voice of Radha, Morman, Vrindavan. My mind is Vrindavan. You're here in Kurukshetra. You have to put your feet in my mind. That's where you have to stay. Hmm? In Vrindavan. Vrindavan in the mind of Radharani, Yairadhe, Vrindavaneshwari, Kijai. Anywhere hmm? you want to go. Hmm? You're going to get your ticket and go to India and go to visit the Dham. You have to think about that. Hmm? It, is a, it is a subjective world. It is a meditative world. It's all in your mind. <laughs> but that's not a small thing. <laughs> mind is bigger than matter. It's a, it's a, it's a, we say mind over matter. It's a... Mind, I see, they say it's all in your mind. But this is, yes, it's all in my mind, and my mind is controlled. Hmm? And what is the power of that? Hmm? Even if you read the yoga, yoga Sutra, you find the f- section on vibhuti's, powers, and so forth. So all the, just saying, this is the power of a controlled mind, what it can do. Hmm? What to speak of you, what you are. And you have the capacity to love, as I said, to do something voluntarily. Mm, to say, you go first. The animals can't do that. They're driven by their condition. Invite, mm? you know, your your animals to come and eat. They're all going to come. Humans can say, no, you first. This is the soul speaking. Mm, you understand? Doing something voluntarily. Free will is coming to the fore in human life. Mm? So anyway, I'm sitting with Prabhupada, right, in this big building. It was a big victory for him. He came... He was living in the Bowery, homeless, and twelve years later, maybe ten or eleven years later, uh, he finally had a kind of a small skyscraper <laughs> in New York for Krishna, of course, and he was living on the eleventh floor there. And so I was sitting with Prabhupada. and um, and uh, and I'm a sannyasi, you know, so not married and and so forth. All that that involves and so he says to me, Have you seen the women of New York? And I'm thinking, uh, is he testing me or what? You know. <laughs> Have I seen the women of New York? You know and I was like, Proud button. What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> and I said I didn't know what to say. And he said, They're so beautiful. And still and he just then he just went on. He said, That is Vishnu Maya and all these buildings are going up because the women are so beautiful and the men are working so hard to get their attention and making the buildings go up. And, he's going, and then he, t- he says his whole description, he said, that is Maya. It's very extraordinary. Hmm? So he was <laughs> looking at the whole metropolis of New York, just meditating on New York and seeing only the, the whole meditation was fostering just uh, understanding of the self and Krishna. And so he, this is what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So to, and to have no, no no enemies. We're not fighting with nature. Mm-hmm. Transcending it, rising above it, and without without even raising a, a a hand, so to speak. In fact, we will do it by bowing our head. Something like that. This is the idea of Bhagavad This will solve environmental crisis. When I was younger, one more quick story. When this first started happening, in like 1967, I quoted... Uh, Lynn White Jr.'s article that came in Scientific America that, that really kind of gave a, one of the beginning frameworks for the school of environmental philosophy. So it was a little bit later, a few years later, that this was like getting a little bit mainstream the energy crisis, you know. So. <laughs> so there was this book we had, this little book called Christian and the Reservoir of Pleasure. So probably it was. We are going on walks with Prabhupada in the morning in Los Angeles. I was privileged to go with his kindness and by my <laughs> enthusiasm, <laughs> let's say, that uh, nobody could check. <laughs> um, I figured, he's my guru. I've given everything to him. I'm going wherever he is. I'm go- Unless he says no, I'm going. I'll be there. I'll follow him. I'll, yeah. So others would say, you shouldn't be here. I said, well, if he says so, then I won't. Yeah. He would always say, and so, what do they ask? What are they saying to me? He would say, and talk to me and that was so at any rate uh, his generosity but anyway he had this boy he had this book probably speaking about energy crisis coming in the papers there's energy crisis so this is the beginning of these kind of talks and he would say there is no energy crisis there is Krishna and so I had this little book and I was going out and distributing the books so I was famous for that so and I had this book and the treasure bar of pleasure I had a nice picture of Krishna on the front just like our Kanailal here just looked just exactly like him and he said, and I would say, have you heard about the energy crisis? Of course, yes. I said, here's the solution, right here, and then <laughs> it's over, you know, Prabhupada just loved that. He heard about that. He, he just loved that. It was so simple, you know, but it, it was so, so profound. So this is what I'm saying to you. This is the, this is the very well-reasoned, and then I, we're only given a, um, a kind of a stream of consciousness kind of talk about it, but uh, uh, a solution. To, to, to the to the problem. How to love nature in a way that it's not at the cost of your soul. Hmm? Something like that. And, um, and, and how to pursue the spiritual in a way that's not at the cost of, of nature. Hmm? Which is how others have, have conceived it.